Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and ten. Keeps his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has got three fingers. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. My man Debo and Hannah Ostopchuk are back in Fort Lauderdale holding it down. I'm in Orlando, still on the road. We got a big show coming up for you. We're going to talk some NBA and college officiating. It's out of control. Uh, the relationship between players is getting heated. Uh, we have back by popular demand because my man Rajah has one of the biggest clotheslines of all time. <laughs> We have Rate the Clothesline. We've got a new top five on greatest sporting events you'd like to see. But we got all that coming up. But what's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? It's a good day, brother. I'm still fighting this cold, but I feel like I'm, I'm getting to the top so I can, see, oh, the, I can see the finish line. Oh, yeah, I got it. See, I've been panicked because I've been traveling so much. I have a bottle of Purell that <laughs> I religiously use. Like, my skin is almost burning off because I've been using it because I am so terrified of getting this flu that's going around. Yeah. And... I'm still fighting it. I'm pounding these pills, these wellness pills from Whole Foods. Oh, dude. Like you sound like my wife. We get on the air, when we get on the airplane now, like before any of my kids, like they're conditioned. They're like robots. They get on the plane and my wife busts out like the antibacterial wipes <laughs> and every kid is like wiping down the plane. We look like we're yeah. the cleaning crew before the next That's passengers smart, come on. Yeah. Our friends would, our, our wives would be best friends, rather, because my <laughs> wife is the same exact way. And I'm like, relax. But you know what? She might be on to something. Yeah, I've started to do it now, too. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I was uh, in Atlanta the other day. We did the show from up there. And the reason I was there, I was at the national championship. And guess what happened? Let's hear. Let's hear what happened. Third down. Here's Tua stepping back. Loads up. Looks long. Throws. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown. Alabama. Devontae Smith. Touchdown. Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. That was Eli Gold on the call for Alabama's uh, home radio station there on the call. It was, the first half was atrocious, as I'm sure you guys saw it unfolding. But man, that second half was something else. And the story of the game really was Tua Tungavaloa, who had such an unbelievable performance in what will be one of the coaching decisions of the decade, I mean, or maybe even of all time, when in a national championship game, you decide to bench your starter, who was the SEC player of the year just a year ago, had led you to the national championship, and yet Nick Saban said, all right, we're going to go ahead and sit him down. Raja, I thought it was the wrong call during the game. But, man, did I look dumb afterwards because it looked brilliant after it all unfolded. Yeah, job security is a mofo. Like when you know, yeah. you know when you have uh, earned the right and and the reputation to where a move like that it isn't, you're not going to be like raked over the coals for it, right? Like if I feel like he's earned the right that even if that doesn't work out, he's not going to get like completely skewered for it. And quite frankly, he doesn't care, and that's what makes him who he is. Like great coaches can't give a damn whether they're going to have to wake up, you know, Tuesday morning and have to answer to that. They go with their gut. They go with, you know, the, the, the sentiment of, of the coaches and the people that they trust to do their jobs. And, you know, apparently there was a rumbling in, in the game prior to that for the kid to come in because that offense has been a bit stagnant with Jalen Hurts. And so, you know, he wasn't really worried about that in Nick Saban. And, and you roll the dice and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, man, that kid was a boss to come in there as a freshman. And here, you know, having said all of that, and I could talk about the whole game and, and all of that kind of stuff, but I was left wondering one question, like with one real question in my mind as a former college athlete, is does Jalen Hurts stay or is he gone? <laughs> no, real talk. Like that's what I'm wondering today. Like is Jalen Hurts out of there or or where do we go from here? That's that's the big question that everybody's asking. It's And it was the question right during the game in the fourth quarter when Tua was going off. People, the joke on Twitter was like, Jalen Hurts will be the starter at X school tomorrow. <laughs> like he'll just, he'll, you know, he'll be deciding, announcing his transfer tomorrow. Here's the thing we don't know is what Jalen Hurts, what his priority is. If he wants to be a starting quarterback in college, he needs to transfer. If he wants to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, he needs to transfer. If he just wants to be a player in the NFL and, and, and is willing to switch positions, 
I think he should stay. Okay. And I don't know his answer. And I hope he has some really good people close to him that can give him some really honest uh, advice about his future because we've all seen him play for two full years now, and he's not an NFL quarterback. And I, I, he wouldn't get evaluated. Like, if he asked for a grade as an NFL quarterback, he probably would be undrafted. But if you said potential athlete, potential slot running back, potential slot wide receiver, then he might get drafted. And I that's the thing. I don't know what his priority is. And we'll find that out. Because if he wants to play quarterback at Alabama, good luck. It's not happening. Because we just saw the future of Alabama football with Tua Tonga-Voloa uh, taking the helm. Like, that was a clear transition of power. So I, if you were – what would you tell him to do? Uh, I would tell him to leave. I would – I would. Um, I believe that you have to play. Um it's it's why. Do you why. think he's a, do you think he's an NFL quarterback? No, I don't. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback at this at this point. Um, he clearly it's we got a sample size now. It's two years. I mean, he did play as a true freshman, so you know you could compare him essentially to to redshirt freshman this year, which would mean you know he he still has a lot of room to grow. But if I'm my eyeballs say that he is not you know an NFL quarterback, he leaves he leaves a lot out there. He he he's very impatient in the pocket. Like his first instinct is always to pull it down and run. He cuts off half the field. He can't see because he's he's sliding out, not climbing up in the pocket. And I'm not even a quarterback, and I see that. Yeah. Um, having said that, you only get, like, one opportunity to enjoy your college years and play the sport that you've dedicated your life to. Um, and if you have a freshman who's as gangster as this kid behind you, it's clear that the team was ready for – how do you oh. say his name? Tugavaloa? Tonga Valoa. Tonga Valoa. So when your yeah. teammates, your coaches, and everyone is championing for this guy to come in, he comes in and he has the success that he has. And, and I want to give Hertz some credit because he handled it like a real boss. Like he was, he was as genuine and as happy for that kid and the team as anyone could be put in that situation. But you have to play. You have, if you're a competitor, you want to get out on the field, you want to play, um, whether you're at, Alabama or you're at a top 25 school somewhere else that's not vying for a championship. And I would just say, look, man, if if the writing is on the wall and you know that the torch has been passed, find another opportunity. He's still really young, and he has not redshirted yet. So Nick Saban was asked about it, and I think it was pretty insightful. Here's Saban when he was asked about benching Jalen Hurts. Well, I just thought we had to throw the ball in a game, and I thought he could do it better. Um you know, so, and he did. He did a good job. We made some plays in the passing game. So I thought that was very insightful. And after the game, that was directly on the field. You could hear the crowd noise. That was immediately after. After the game, when he was asked his official press conference, he reiterated what he said there, but he expanded a little bit. And he basically said their passing game was non-existent. Like it was, it was so opening and, and revealing because, and you could tell that with Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, they had a completely different game plan when Tua came into the game because they were not, and they haven't done it all year. They'll try a shot down the field with Jalen Hurt. They'll try, you know, a deep shot. If it's not there, he either hits his check down or he runs. But then when they went to Tua, it was like a totally different playbook. It was very NFL style play calls. You saw him going through progressions. You thought, saw him stretching the field vertically and you saw a, and, and then the, the team responded. They noticed too. They're like, Oh my gosh, we're doing it. We're doing, we're doing a full we're, game plan. We're playing, here. we're playing football. You're absolutely yeah. right. As soon as that kid came in from the first snap, the first set of downs, you said to yourself, that's a different offense. It's a, it's a different offense. They are not calling the same conservative, let me protect my quarterback, let me just run this ball offense. They were open. And now some of that might have had to do with, like, the situation, except, um, you know, Jalen had been in there and they were down in, in the first half. Like, you know, you're down by as many as you are. You got to open the playbook up a little bit. But I tend to believe that if Jalen had been in there, it would have still been very vanilla, very protective of the quarterback. And you, you did see, Coaches with a different mentality, a different mindset, a different trust level, and players, quite frankly, to your point, with a, with a different belief in what they could accomplish with the, with the other kid under center. So there were a couple things, cause I was, like, I was crushing Saban for benching Jalen Hurts. Like, I, I was pretty vocal on Twitter. It and turned you out were to getting be one crushed. of the worst. I was getting yeah, crushed. It, oh, Danny was getting crushed. <laughs> oh, it was, so here's the funny thing. I said it at halftime, right when they came out. I actually texted from friends of mine. I'm like, they have no chance unless they play Tua. And then they bench him, and I'm like, well, hold on a second. This is very uncharacteristic for Saban. He has a clear game plan. It's win with defense and conservative on offense. 
So then I'm tweeting it out, and people are crushing me after Tua comes down the field and you know leads him on a touchdown drive. And I was like, hold on. I was like, just be patient. Then the next drive, he throws one of the worst interceptions you've ever seen. And I'm like, all right, you still feel good about it? And then it goes back and forth, back and forth. I will say this. I'd rather be lucky than good any day of the week because this decision, which looked genius, there was a, a ton of good fortune in it too. When you consider um, the one, t- so the, he ha- he had another interception that was a millimeter over when the Georgia defensive player was out of the back of the end zone. Which, if that's a split second differently, if he has possession, that's a game-ending interception. On the fourth and four. He wasn't even throwing it to the guy that ended up catching the touchdown. It was like one of the luckiest, greatest plays of all time. And I'm not, I'm not saying it still wasn't the right decision, but there is a tremendous amount of luck involved in any sporting event. And you need those types of breaks to go your way. The other thing is, as great as we're saying what a gutsy, ballsy move it is to bench uh, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Valoa might have had some leverage in this situation because Lane Kiffin was talking about it and said that there was very strong indicators that if Tua didn't play this season, that he was going to transfer. So there, I'm sure all of this is going back. Well, hey, we're down 13 nothing. What do we have to lose? We're not getting anything offensively. Let's give this kid a chance. And if it works out, it's great. They always had Jalen Hurts in their back pocket, too, because if doing it at halftime, if it go, and their plan was to start rolling drives. It was to get Jalen back in the game. But because Tua had so much success, they went back to him. You know, they just kept rolling with him. So it was uh, it, Tua's Tua's life has changed though. That was a game changer for him. I mean, he was on the the NBC nightly news last night. It's it's a game changer for him, and he'll get so much hype. And I think deserved. Like I think he's going to be the preseason favorite for the Heisman. Bama will be number one again, and I think all of it's deserved. Because he's a boss, and he well, showed it just, uh, c- coming into that game. Just as a fan, I, I would like to see – I mean, Bama clearly gets um, top five recruiting classes every year. They have big, yes. strong, athletic – I mean, the Ridley the, the Ridley kid and his brother who's at Georgia, I mean, th- those are Pompano kids. They come down into our backyard and get our best talent, which is, which is you know, like arguably the best football talent in the, in the country. Um Point being, I would like to see them in a more wide open offense. I would like to see what these athletes can do um, if you have a Tua back there who can move the ball around and not just ground and pound every year because you know you don't trust your quarterback. I don't know when the last time you know Alabama and I'm asking you when was the last time Alabama had a quarterback? Was it AJ McCarron where you like where you said okay he we trust him to make plays. He can sling it around. He can get it to these playmakers. Everything else has been a, you know, a more or less game management. Don't lose us the game. Let our defense and our running game get the win. Raja, he's never, even AJ McCarron was a game manager. They didn't fully open up the offense with him. That's the difference. And that's what's scary is this will be the first time that Nick Saban has really had a difference maker at that position. And that's why I think they're going to be close to unstoppable, which is a scary thought. I was so the, that wasn't the only take I was wrong on. So before the game, we talked about the ratings and the All SEC Championship. And I, at the first half, I was like, "Yep, I was right. This is awful." And then I could not have been more wrong because the ratings for it, the TV, it was a 16.7 overnight rating, which is monstrous. That was up nine percent over last year's epic matchup. Uh, between Alabama Clemson, 27 million viewers, uh, were on just ESPN. That was up 12%. So clearly people were dialed into this game to see. And I think a lot of it's about Bama. I think t- people root, uh, want to either, they want to see greatness or they want to see greatness knocked off. And I think that was a big draw for people that I didn't consider. Yeah. They're, uh, Bama's a polarizing. Even if you hate watch. They're a polarizing <laughs> program. It's like Duke in the, you know, because of all of their success and, 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 you know, their, their level of, let's call it what it is, a little bit of arrogance, right? Like their fan base and their, and, and the way they carry themselves. They got a bunch of pros and, and, um, you know, Bama's kind of the same way. I do still think, um, you know, if I believe firmly that Oklahoma had a better chance of beating Alabama. And I know, totally. I know Georgia, you know, came real, real close and there were some, 
you know, there was some questionable stuff there, right? We could, we could point to, you know, block punts. That's not an offsides, right? It's not. Like, if anything, right. it's a false start. There, there are different things there that, that Georgia fans could point to, but I thought fundamentally Oklahoma and the points that they would put up would pose a much bigger problem, um, for Alabama. But the game was phenomenal. Like, it was, it wound up being a great national championship, which is all you ask for at the end of the day is to be, uh, you know, to have a game like that. You don't want a, a, a lopsided win by either team. Yeah, so congrats to Alabama on the uh, co-championship because <laughs> UCF is my co-champion. I don't care. UCF is my squad. What, Hannah, what are you talking about? I, I like that you're, you're representing UCF. Keep it going. I, I say, I say all year I want to hear this. She wants that free swag. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get some free swag. <laughs> I got, I got you kidding. guys some gear. I got you guys some gear. So the one thing that really bothered me so it wasn't because I get it. They're not going to be national champs. They're not going to be recognized national champs from everybody. But the final AP rankings came out, and Bama was number one, which I think everybody uh, should expect. UCF and, but, number six bothered you? Yeah, that's offensive. UCF being sixth is ridiculous. And I would be not only – like the national championship thing is cute. And I think they realize that they're not going to get, actually get a national championship recognition from anybody in the media. But to have them sixth – that is so disrespectful to a team, which what they have accomplished this year. There were four voters in the AP that actually gave UCF a national, a number one final ranking, and all four of them said it was because they were undefeated, which I, I don't have a problem with at all. Um, but I just thought it was so offensive that they did not even get higher than sixth because I think they could beat every single one of those teams, including Bama, in a one-game setting. And they showed it against Auburn, the type of team they are. And it was classic because I was sporting my gear at the championship game. And I actually ran into Scott Frost, and his eyes lit up when he saw the shirt. He's like, I got to get a picture. He, I didn't have to ask for the photo. He was like, that was my question. Get a photo. That was my question. Did you solicit the photo, or did he see you rocking the gear and ask to take the photo? He saw the gear, and I showed him the shirt, and he's like, I got to get a photo. And it was perfect because I was going to ask him anyway. That's fantastic. Um, but it was, it was classic. How about the disrespect? This is just funny. It's not disrespectful. He couldn't get into the press box because he didn't have the right credential, oh. and they were not going to let him in there. He was scheduled to do interviews. And he couldn't get in because they didn't recognize him. That's ridiculous. That, <laughs> that's absurd. I mean, that's, yeah. that's that, crazy. That's just, like, do you know who I am? That's UCF in a nutshell, though, right? Like that's the right. that's 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 it. And it is it is disrespectful that 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 you could knock off Auburn and and uh, wind up six in the country. You're undefeated. Here's my only here's my only beef, um, and it's not a beef, but here's my only observation about UCF. Like it's easy when you put all these teams like on a week to week level playing field, and they've got to knock heads week to week. I don't know that Central Florida can muster that up every week in that kind of scenario. I think given, you know, a few weeks to prepare – they would have the chance to to survive against any of them. Like Scott Frost can game plan. Those kids were fired up, flying around the field against Auburn. But you catch them on a on a on a like not a back to back, but a week. Yeah, just a regular week, and they've got to run the gauntlet of the SEC. I don't know that they can do that. Having said that, um, I still think they deserve to be higher than number six. Yeah, they were the only other team to get first place votes in. The poll, but I have to say, I'm nervous for them next season now. Yeah. Like, so much hype and so much talk has been around them now. Like, what if they don't live up to this next season? That's why when yeah. you're Scott Frost, you get out. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what's going to be tough, especially without. I will say this to the schedule question. I feel reasonably comfortable with Alabama's schedule. They might have been able to do the same thing Bama did, which is one loss because Bama's schedule was not that tough. They had maybe one of the easiest pass the national championship and they got a free pass i think there's a good chance ucf might have been able to do that against uh bama's schedule but that's that's not going to be a very uh well-received comment from bama fans but their schedule was pretty light (laughs) so now i think there is a little bit of panic in the alabama faithful because nick saban as we talk about his legacy and his future more importantly I think there are some questions up in the air, but here's a little audio from Nick Saban talking about the joy he felt after this win. You know, right now, I'm, I'm just happy for all these folks here. I'm, I'm happy for all these folks. I'm happy for our players. I don't care anything about that, to be honest with you. Th- this was a great win for our, our players, and I've never been happier in my life. Never. Never. Wow. And that's, you don't see Nick Saban happy a lot. For him to admit <laughs> that is pretty crazy. He... 
So he gets his fifth national championship at Bama. It's his sixth overall, which ties him with Bear Bryant for the most ever. I think he's at a, I think he's going to have a really interesting decision to make because I think this is the one opportunity he might have, and it might be the last. Now, granted, he could leave any time he wants to, but he's 66 years old. If there was an opportunity to jump, I think now would be the time to do it. Don't do and it. Bruce, don't you saying don't. No, go ahead. I want to hear the rest of it. <laughs> no, so Bruce Arians, uh, who, you know, retired, just retired from the Arizona Cardinals, said it wouldn't surprise him. He was on with Colin Cowherd, said he wouldn't surprise him if Saban considers the move to the NFL in, quote, a job he covets. And that's uh-huh. the New York football giants. And I think it is something Saban would consider. Now, I think this is a really tough decision. And I, what would you, what you, you, you just said you would tell him to stay? Um, what does he make at Alabama? 11.1 11. last 11. year. 11.1. And, and, and NFL head, I mean, he, I mean, John Gruden just got 10 years. Yeah. No, I, I, I would not because here's the deal. His style, um, and you, I've seen it in basketball. College coaches that, that are old school, um, my way, highway, tough, um, relentless on their players. They don't translate all the time into pro environments. They don't. Now, they may translate to some of your locker room. Like, there might be some guys that get down like that. But on a whole, you know, guys are wired differently as a generation now. But certainly as a generation, and you put, you know, $20 million a year in their pocket, uh, guys guys don't always respond to that. And you – like, we just touched on the fact that he'll finally get an opportunity to have a quarterback that 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 is a playmaker. I just – I hear what you're saying. If you just always wanted to be an NFL coach, if you want to prove that what happened down here with the Dolphins, um, you've gotten better and you can take a team, um, to the, to the, to the Super Bowl, that's just been a lifelong dream, maybe. But it just, for me, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. You're making 11 million a year. You're, you're stacked up and lined up for like the next three years with a, with a, with a gangster quarterback and a a loaded (laughs) roster. I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it. He's 66 years old. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm That's not taking old. Him. That's old. I also think that, yeah, that like, what's the point of leaving if you're already winning? I don't know. Right? Like, if you had something personally to conquer, I guess, but just like, ride it out. Like, you're already in a good spot. Yeah, I know, but if you, I would give credence to the fact, like, some guys just want to say they did it at, I want to be an NFL coach. I can get it done in the NFL. And he strikes me as that kind of guy, right? Where he, wants to prove that he is the best and that whatever he touches turns to gold. And so if that is where his mind's at, then, yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. But I'm with you, Hannah. Like, you got a good thing cooking there in Alabama. It's, it's like lined up to continue to cook. I'm not mm-hmm. – I'm, I'm good. Danny, we know Nick Saban devotes his life to winning. But does he do it for himself? Does he care about the Bear Bryant thing? You know in other sports, Kobe, LeBron have mentioned they want to chase MJ's six titles and surpass that. Does Nick Saban care about surpassing Bear Bryant? Here's the thing, Debo. I don't know. Like, nobody knows what his mindset is when you consider his legacy. All I know is he caught him now. Like, he's got six with Bear Bryant, had a family. So if he wants to stay, I think he could win 10 national championships if he stays at Bama. And maybe that's a a round, nice round, double-digit number that he could consider if he wants to stay. Then he's all of a sudden in Phil Jackson, John Wooden, uh, Gino Ariema. He's in that category, which he probably already should be anyway. But when you start looking at total championships, it comes into play. And it was interesting what Raja was saying about players and if his coaching style fits in the NFL. Because Landon Collins, who played for him at Alabama and is currently on the New York Giants, said, I don't know if that's a great idea because he – and he, this was actually him talking about Bill Belichick coming to the Giants potentially. He said, I don't know if I want to have to go through, quote, the process again. And it is a grind to play for those coaches. And a lot of times it's not a whole lot of fun. But – and I would be curious to see what Raja thinks about this because when you look at it, there is a success that is had when those coaches grind those players and they demand that type of per- perfection – but when I look at some of the most successful coaches in sports, you look at Bill Belichick, he is definitely the similar mindset of Saban. And from the outside, it appears to me that Greg Popovich does too, but I don't know. What, is Pop in the similar mindset? No. Like, he, does he grind them like that or no, no? No, he does not. Pop is, now Pop is a, 
Pop will pull like hard ass. Pop, right? Yes, he will pull Tim Duncan out on the very first play of a game if Tim Duncan doesn't play the screen and roll the way he's supposed to play it. And he'll chew him out in front of the whole arena just to let everyone on that team know that he's not above, you know, the, this tongue lashing too. But then he puts Tim Duncan right back in the game and trusts Tim Duncan to do his job. Um, on off days, though, Pop and his staff were on the forefront of the resting guys. Like, they're not in there every day just beating you down physically and mentally. They believe that you have to kind of be fresh. Um, Pop's got a great sense of humor, a lot of interaction with his players. Um, it seems like he has interests outside of basketball as well, which I don't think Saban has interests outside of football. Right. His, like, Pop and his coaching staff are big into, like, great meals and take wine, wine and, and experiences <laughs> that they share with players. So you get to see a different side of them. It's not always grind, 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 win, 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 process, process, process. Uh, he is a hard-nosed dude. Now, Jerry Sloan, on the other hand, was a, was a tough, hard-nosed, um, old school beat you down type of practice um, coach and it it could wear on you it wasn't for everyone especially if the success wasn't wasn't materializing right away um, the fun in those type of coaches isn't in the process necessarily it's in the result it's when you win and you can look back and say look damn all of that was so worth it like all of those days that I didn't want to be there all those days that I didn't want to run one more 17. It, it wound up being worth it in the end because I experienced all of this joy. But trust me, no one loves being in there beating the hell out of each other every day. You may love the scrimmage and, and do that, but no one loves the physical pain um, of what it takes on a day-to-day basis with a coach you know, like Belichick or, or Saban. And if they do, they're, they're, they're few and far between. Here's the thing. I don't think it's about the money because he's making 11 million. He's made a ton of money at 66. I mean, really, I mean, he's not going to sign a 10 year contract. He could absolutely demand 10, 12, 14, I don't know, whatever number he wants to write. But I think it's more about the situation and can he win a Super Bowl? And if you look at the Giants, I know some people might say, well, you've got a quarterback. It's a stable organization. But Eli Manning is getting older. His play has been deteriorating. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. who wants to be played, uh, paid the most of anybody in the entire NFL. And, and you've got guys like Eli Apple who was you know, complaining about the locker room culture. And you, then you have Landon Collins who just said he didn't like the, the form of coaching that you just had. And Landon Collins is a superstar. I don't know if, it, if it's the uh, situation is merit. Is, is it merits him considering it. And that's why I think Gruden, because John Gruden, I don't think it was about the 10 mils, $10 million, $100 million. Of course, it's a consideration, and it makes it look a lot more attractive. But I think Gruden went to Oakland because it was a, a organization that he's very familiar with. He knows those owners are are loyal, and he knows he has a quarterback, a great young quarterback, who you know had a, a setback because it wasn't a great year. But he's, he's already got his contract. He's already set for the long term. And I think that's why Gruden chose Oakland. Here's, uh, so here's Mark Davis when he was introing John Gruden. I thought this was pretty funny. Raider Nation, this is a big effing deal. (laughs) (laughs) And it is because their Raider Nation knows he had a tremendous amount of success with him. And again, like Saban, I don't think for Gruden it was about the hundred million dollars. I think you, you might have gotten him for seventy-five. I don't know. You know, it doesn't. It sounds like a. You know, it's kind of crazy that we're throwing around these numbers. But I think it was because of the attractiveness, the attractiveness of the organization, the quarterback, and the ability to win a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. If, if I'm, if I am a guy, um, you know, if I'm a young coordinator that's up for a head coaching job or one of these guys in the booth that are looking to come back, I'm not touching a situation. Uh, Saban. My, my quarterback position, first and foremost, has to be solid. And it's gotta be a guy, like, the NFL, like, I don't care what Blake Bortles is doing in Jacksonville, um, uh, you, they're winning despite Blake Bortles right now. I'm gonna say that, right? I want someone, it's proven that you need quarterbacks to win, you need stability at the position. Um, secondly, I need an ownership group and a general manager that are all on the same page. Um, that do things the right way that are stable as well. And so, yeah, that's gotta be attractive to Gruden. It's, it's, and the, and the money. I mean, like, yeah, the money is an issue, bro. Like, you're throwing around $100 million, $75 million, $80 million. Like, there are 80 million reasons why it becomes more attractive. Uh, I, here's my question about John Gruden. 10 years is a long time to be away from anything. And you weren't away from it because you were in the booth, but you were away from it in, in that you weren't day to day grinding, dealing with the kids, um, 
you know, and I heard in his press conference him say, like, well, it afforded me the opportunity. I had always wondered what practices were like in Kansas City. And so my job afforded me the opportunity to go there and pick the Kansas City brain, which I wouldn't have had the chance to do otherwise. And it, it allowed me to go, you know, sit with this coach and pick their brain. And so there were, you know, opportunities awarded to him with, with the job in the booth that he wouldn't have normally gotten to do that could have furthered, you know, his ability to coach and maybe give him some different perspective. But again, you're not there day to day grinding in the locker room, dealing with players that are 10 years younger than the ones you dealt with uh, the last time around. And things change. Uh, you know, we, we always talk about this generation being different than the last in terms of athletes. And so let's make no mistake. This is a huge gamble by Oakland. Like this is, I mean, Gruden is great, but this is a gamble. Yep, no doubt about it. So it'll be fun to watch all these things play out. So I was just at the championship game. It was in Atlanta. It was the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, home of the Falcons. I love college football. I think it's one of the top sporting events that fans, like if you had a bucket list for fans that you wanted to go see, I would tell all of them to go see a college football championship game, especially if they're tied in where the fan bases are that close because it was electric. It was crazy loud. It was awesome. But it had me thinking, we need to do our Wednesday top five. So, Raja, what would be your top five sporting events that you would have to go see? Like a bucket list of the events that you want to see. Bucket list of events. Okay. Um, no particular order here. Um, and some of them have qualified with different, like the Masters. I want to see the Masters. I, I, I'd go there either way. But specifically, like on a Sunday if Tiger was in the hunt. Like yeah. I would, I would just love to. You know, those grounds look just so beautiful. Everything looks so well manicured and it's so quiet. It, though it, it, it's just, I want to, I just want to be quiet. there. I want to soak that in. We could take this show to the Masters, like the Masters. Do it. Let's take it. Let's take it on the road. You would not be able. Um, uh, I'd want to go see a World Cup game. Like I'd love to see a World Cup final, specifically if the USA were playing. Um, but Good in, luck. in general, yeah, right. In general, I'd love to go see a World Cup match. I'd like to go see an Olympic swimming event. Uh, maybe one of the relays, maybe one of the hundred freeze, something like that. I'd like, I'd like to see. They look like electric atmospheres in those pools when some of these top speed swimmers are swimming, trying to break records. Uh, national championship football game, like you just you just spoke to it, but only if Miami's in it. All right, <laughs> like I don't have really any other interest, but it looks like it looks like a spectacle. I've been to Sugar Bowls and Fiesta Bowls, and it's just a great time, a great energy. And lastly, because I didn't have another one, I've been to NBA championships. I've been there, done that, Super Bowls. Um, a Western High School versus Cypress Bay High School basketball game. <laughs> nice. It there was, you go. No, I like it. Not me, specific at I'm all. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> we we uh, we played. It's it's Western High School's rival, Cypress Bay, and we played in it the other day, and so. This rivalry is so big that there are separate entrances for the kids and the spectators. Kids from Western can only sit on one side. Kids from Cypress Bay can only sit on one side. And I've never been to a high school environment where they allow the kids, like ADs, principals, everyone in the gym, and these kids are chanting curses back and forth across the gym. It's F-U Western, F-U like. It is banana cakes. There's always a fight in the parking lot. There were at least 50 police officers and cop cars. So um, it makes my number five just because I didn't have anything else. All right. Oh, so my. we've both been lucky. I'm sure you've been to a lot of these events because I was thinking about, you know, Super Bowl, obviously, on a lot. I've been. Um, a college football, I've been. Um, you know, World Series, I've been to some of those. So I had to kind of go outside of the box a little bit. Uh -huh. So I, and I've been to the Masters. I think that's an exception. You have every sports fan. Hannah, don't downplay the Masters. It's a ton of fun. You could have a blast there. I'm don't from knock. Jupiter. I'm well aware. I just, right. I'm just like against Tiger Woods. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't, why are you against greatness? You're no, against he annoys the crap great. out of me. Patriots, Bama, Tiger. What's the, <laughs> what's the, <laughs> Hannah, we're going to have to have a sit down. We're going to have to have a sit down. All right, so here's here's my five in any particular order. Two of mine would actually be soccer because I would love to go see the World Cup uh, and World Cup final because I think it'd be great to just see an international flair, the soccer craziness. But I'd also like to see like a Premier League game at some small stadium in Europe, like because one of those ones where they have the hooligans and they're lighting fires and there's just nuts. Like I'd yeah. love to see that. Like Tottenham so Hotspur against like like. Uh... <laughs> Somebody Chelsea or something like that? Yes, yes, something nuts like that. I would love to see the Kentucky Derby, and not only just for the for one. the for the race itself, but look at the parties. Like the every time Brady goes, and it's just nuts. And I heard the parties are insane when you go there. Like it's not just the two minutes of the race; it's actually everything surrounding it, which is kind of like the Super Bowl too. 
Um, I would also want to do Army-Navy game. I think that would be incredible, especially the march into the stadium when they have all the cadets come in and they're in formation. I just think that'd be incredibly like cool and patriotic and just like the pageantry, I think would be awesome. And then here's one that I've never been to, and you might be surprised because I do college football. I would love to go see, and this is only if they're both in the top five or top eight, is a Bama versus LSU game in Baton Rouge. Because Baton Rouge is one of the craziest environments. The fans are nuts. But then there's also something else about SEC fans, because they are the best fans in college football. They still have a Southern hospitality. Even when I was walking around with my stupid UCF National Championship shirt, they were all yelling at me, (laughs) the Bama fans were. But then they would be like, let's get a picture. Let me get a drink. Let me buy you a drink. Like, they're still... They're still cordial, and they have the, and they're they're passionate about their sport. So it's. I hope you don't accept those drinks. Uh, I, did have, I did have a couple. I did have a couple. Hannah, do you think we're missing anything? Is there anything we're missing that's glaring? Two obvious things that you guys are missing. If the Bills are in the Super Bowl, everyone's going. Yeah, fair enough. Everyone's going. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going because they could win their first. Thankfully, you said Super Bowl, so I didn't want to have to deal with another regular season. Bills um, game also, the- Syracuse in the Final Four. I'd have to go to that. All right. So I know. Home- uh, every I'm pretty opposite. Like y'all have been to everything. You're like, eh, I've been to nothing. So, but like nothing. Final four me. is a good time. Final yeah. four is a good time, especially if your if your team's in it. Like, I oh, might, if my team's in it, yeah, I'm so down for the count. Syracuse hasn't been in a minute. I'm totally. I think you would enjoy the the uh, the Kentucky Derby. Like it is. A, have you seen? I just the, like I'm not a hat person, dude. That was such a <laughs> it was such a great call though, Danny. Because like I'm not a hat person either necessarily. But, I would do it. Like we don't you, have to be, Raja. That's the thing. We don't have to be. It's only women that wear the hats. Yeah, women. No, some dudes do, but I don't. It's not like for women. It's almost required. Like, okay. If not wearing a hat, you might get weird. Looks. It's only about the fashion. Like I don't know anyone who goes to and actually like watch it. Like what? No. no. I, I, you just go too. and you. That looks like yes, a great gambling. time. That looks like a <laughs> phenomenal I, I can agree. time. I can agree. Like the I would best do time that. I've ever had in my life, maybe. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we got we got a ton of stuff that we said we we're going to get to. If there's anything we missed, let's get caught up with here's what's happening with Hannah. All right, guys. Georgia sophomore quarterback Jacob Eason watched from the sideline on Monday as his replacement Jake Fromm impressed in the title game, but ultimately fell short. Now Eason is expected to transfer with Washington as the likely landing spot. And Danny, he's originally from Lake Stevens, Washington. Yeah, everybody had kind of put the, you know, kind of placed him there because of those hometown ties. I still think Miami would have been a great fit with Mark Richt because Mark recruited him to Georgia. But ultimately, he's going home. Jake Browning's going to graduate after a year. So it looks like uh, that could be a good spot for him. Raja's freaking out. But Raja, I got another one for you. Okay, so staying on campus. (laughs) Staying on campus in college hoops. Number two, West Virginia. Number five, Purdue. Survived scares from conference foes last night. While freshman sensation Trey Young led number nine, Oklahoma, to a 75-65 to victory over number six, Texas Tech. Young dropped 27 points and nine assists on the Red Raiders. Yeah, look, this kid just keeps moving up draft boards. He's he's electrifying to watch. Like, my kids don't love – college basketball but they love watching him they want to see what he's going to do and i love the fact that he can go like one for eight one for nine and his confidence isn't shaking like and that's what i as an nba scout i'm not just looking for your physical tools but your mental makeup i want to know if you can bounce back and keep going and he's got that so uh look for this kid to climb draft boards teams sitting at five six seven in the nba draft this year are going to get a really really good player whether it be him or one of these other guys loaded draft and what would be an update without mentioning the Big Baller brand? So game one of the Big Baller brand challenges in the books in Lithuania with Leangelo and LaMelo making their professional debuts. So this game was a win all around for the Ball Brothers. They combined for 29 points on route to a 90 to 80 victory. And they had over 1 million views on this game. Were any of y'all one of those viewers? I watched for about 10 or 15 minutes, and I'm mad at myself for watching it. It was such a bad product, oh and I was like, God. this is exactly what he wants. But I did watch. Roger, do you watch? LeVar Ball is a genius. Look, it just came through all my text. What's the last text that I just got? Right? LeVar Ball <laughs> is a genius say? is what someone Your just phone's texted black me. black now. Oh, wait. So hold sorry. on. There it is. <laughs> oh, LeVar wow. Ball okay. is a genius. Oh, look, um, what I took away from it, and I only saw some highlights, is that Lee, Lee Jello Ball, Jello Ball is a European player when he gets older. Like, he's a small, 
you know, back to the basket, mid-range type of kid. He can shoot a little bit. He, he's not an NBA player. The no. younger one is better than I thought. LaMelo? LaMelo. And he wasn't playing against great competition. This was a junior game, and it was a friendly. But you look for, like, his basketball IQ, making plays that just look different than other people are making. He can play some basketball. Now, he's a baby. I don't know where that winds up taking him, but he's a player. All right, last but not least in the updates, guys, Toronto forward Serge Ibaka and Miami forward James Johnson were both ejected after trading a couple of punches in the Heat's 90-89 to road win. So this incident happened about four minutes into the third quarter, and you could see the two begin to push each other as they were waiting for inbounds pass from, or I'm sorry, waited for an inbounds pass under the Miami basket. So officials reviewed the incident and then issued technical fouls and ejections to both players. This was Johnson's third career ejection and Ibaka's fifth career Ejection. Don't miss with James Johnson, though. Him, his parents, and all eight of his siblings are black belts. Yes, you've picked the wrong one, Mr. Serge Ibaka. Okay, because <laughs> he was one split second. If you watched the replay, yes. he was one split second away from getting his jaw wired In shut. In his face. Yes. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's going to just be interesting when you get a situation like that. I've had them. Um, it's all up to the NBA and, and, and it's disciplinary committee or it's one guy, I think. And they sit up there and they review the tape. They'll call Serge this morning. They will call, um, James Johnson this morning. They'll ask for both sides of the story. They'll get a report from the, the security person that was on the scene. And then they live, they levy some kind of just completely, uh, just off the top how I'm feeling this morning type of decision on whether or not they suspend you for oh, wow. a game and take all your money. Oh, wow. Wait, and I don't know if you saw Goran Dragic and DeMarco DeRozan got into it too after the game. Did it look like Dragic spit on him? <gasps> I Ooh. hope so. I love Goran Dragic. I think I he's like, hope so. I, I hope that he just like started some I, I had European stuff. Back. I had Goran as a rook. I love I Goran. Love no, Goran's Dragic. a good dude. Goran's a good he's dude. He's like a really nice guy, though. Yes, a super nice dude. And I'm not saying he did. I'm asking, like, when I slowed it down. If he spat on someone, he, I need a uh, slow-mo replay. Did you see the way DeRozan kind of reacted? It was like yeah. they were into it, and then Goran either said something or something came out of his mouth, and then and then DeRozan, like, flipped and really started losing it. So I, I, yeah, I, I'm that's a proud the one Miami thing, fan now. Any, you could say anything to me. You can, you know, come do a dirty hit, whatever it is, like I, anything, and I probably won't lose my cool. But if you spit on me, I'm losing it. Oh my god! I'm if someone spits on me, I'd just be so confused. <laughs> I would be All so right. confused. Let's uh, let's finish it up with some topics, Debo. What do you got for us? All right, we'll see if Abaka Johnson gets suspended. We don't know. So I don't know if we missed the memo, but it seems to be Raja Bell Appreciation Week. Yeah. <laughs> Raja getting name dropped on Twitter again because on Monday night, Isaiah Thomas back in the lineup for the Cavs, and he was out of the lineup quickly in that game against the Timberwolves because he clotheslined or karate chopped Andrew Wiggins right in the neck, a flagrant two, ejected. These dudes aren't getting suspended, but Raja, first, rate this clothesline. You rate it. <laughs> The one from the weekend, Matthew Della Vadova on Bradley Beal, a 5 out of 10. Yeah. Well, g give yours on Kobe. What's that rating? Was that a 10? Does that uh, set the bar? No, I, probably uh, like a, a, an 8. An 8? Yeah, because right. I missed the mark. Like, I caught him at the, at the, at the shoulders and then it rode up. You to wish his you neck. caught him better? I just sickled him right across the Yeah. yeah. All right, so um, this one, Isaiah on Andrew Wiggins. Uh, this one I'm giving a 9. Ooh. Like this was this was no joke. Like he caught him in the neck, which is exactly where you want to catch somebody on a clothesline, right? Because like you not only want to take him down, but you want to kind of affect their wind. So you got to get him in the neck. And there was no apology for it. Like didn't stand over him. It, it didn't stand over him, but gave no indication that he felt remorseful for it. And if you're gonna do that, like you can't show any remorse for it. You just got to do it. And so yeah, I give that. What I say an eight. I said eight or nine just now. Nine. I forgot what I said. You I said a nine. nine. I get a nine. I get a nine. <laughs> you got to live up to that nine. Yours is, yours is on. Yours is the gold standard. Like it should be on a scale of zero to Raja clotheslining Kobe. There should be no nothing above. What, that. What, I feel like that's just because it was Kobe and it was in the playoffs. Do you feel like like the yes. actual clothesline was like that? No, that but, golden. But those factors. Yeah. Those factors okay. Okay. I think we need a photo enough. of that. Framed. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I think it's fitting. So, so if Raja is the gold standard of clotheslines, I am clearly the gold standard of athletes that can rap. So, what do we have? Another one challenging? We have a challenger. Yeah. So, uh, so, Danny, you remember that quarterback scale that we had the the Canel to Brady scale? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now we're going to do an athlete or an NFL rapper scale. It's going to be Canel no. to Cole Beasley. <laughs> no. Oh. All right. So the Cowboys, they have a lot of time on their hands, I guess, you know, missing the playoffs and all. At least wide receiver Cole Beasley is taking advantage. Yesterday he dropped a debut single called 80 Stings. 
What? When he's not Eight dropping stings. balls, he's dropping bars. Let's bars. We gotta hear this. Hold on, we got an audio. Let's hear it. Say hello to Mr. Slept On. Early mornings, I ain't slept long. Big headed, so I'm headstrong. Had to be just to be headed to where I was going, like my head gone. He said I'm crazy, but I told him all that it's no biggie, but you're dead wrong. I'm the wrong one to be swept off up under the rug. Patience of a wondrous love to come from the mud. And I am into it. wish we had a camera in here to capture Raja's face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just didn't expect that. Right. Like, me too. I didn't expect yeah. it either. I think the question is, how unexpected is that? That's, that's. <laughs> Danny, I'm going to let you – please, you go first. I mean, that, that was not bad. He's dropping bars. I mean, my man, it's going off. The thing about mine, mine was for charity. I did not consider myself a rapper, but it sounds like our boy Cole Beasley's trying to challenge Eminem for greatest white rapper of all time. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's an element of production there. There is a exactly. – he is um, – yeah, that was definitely unexpected I liked Cole it. Beasley. I yeah. didn't mind it. I didn't mind it either. If it was, someone played that and didn't tell me who it was, I'd be like, ooh, who is this? Yeah, you wouldn't picture Cole Beasley. Absolutely not. He looks like he would like sing country or right, something. Right, right. <laughs> well, you guys and your stereotypes. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what, whatever. What is, He's also in Dallas. It's fine. Uh, album right. dropping this spring, so we'll wow. keep tabs on what? that. Hold the phone. Yeah, yo, we so gotta get song, some. Free 80 swag. Stings Let's go. was up to number 16 on the hip hop charts on iTunes yesterday. So was people, it? People taking no, notice. Hey, look, that was a I, again. Can I mean, we talk I, about Victor Oladipo's unexpected. song called Unfollow? This is one of my favorite songs ever. I now use unfollow, like I just say Victor Oladipo instead of unfollow. Like I, Victor Oladipo. <laughs> Are you Victor that girl? Oladipo? You? Yeah. Oh, that's Did it. you hear I, that song? No. I'm sorry. Debo, That'll come later. Debo, I want to, I want to challenge your producing skills. We got to get Cole Beasley on as a guest to discuss this whole rap. No, no, no. He has to rap for us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> exactly. We can, we like, should use on. his rap as our intro. Let's do it. Yes. Ooh, Cole Beasley, like sign us up. And what's it yes. called? 80 Stings? 80 Stings. 80, 80, 80 Stings. Dropping out references to Jerry Jones in there, Dak Prescott. Yikes. Bam. Um, wouldn't right. you be kind of dick to the teammate that he didn't? Like, if he didn't shout out Des Bryant, wouldn't you be kind of upset? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. All just right. a diss track. Just, just all yeah. diss tracks. All right, yeah. Danny, we know, we know you got to head out shortly. Big golf tournament for you today. Why don't you tell the listeners how they can check you out, what you're going to be doing, and then I have just some quick Special edition picks and props for Hannah and Raja to answer about your appearance today. Nice. All right. So I'm in Orlando. I'm playing the Diamond Resorts Invitational. It's a celebrity golf tournament. This is the third year I've done it. It's a blast. It's a ton of fun. They have some pretty big names here. I'm actually playing a practice round today with Kevin Millar and Josh Beckett and Marty Fish. They're really good dudes. It's a blast. But there is a lot of money at stake. There's a $100,000 per – there's way more than a hundred. It's like – uh, two million dollar purse, but the winner what? gets a hundred grand. If I win this thing, I could make a hundred grand. That's insane. So I need to go out and fall. Yeah, I know. Tell you me. You need about to be it. focused. Why are you even talking to us? We, yeah, we gotta <laughs> hang up right now. <laughs> yeah. oh, hit them straight, baby. <laughs> exactly. So, what are the props, Debo? What do you got? Because you can bet this tournament for real. Well, <laughs> I gotta check up your odds on it. Um, so Danny's lowest round the other day, Roger, you weren't in here for this, right? So golfer Justin Thomas has been talking a little trash on Danny on Twitter. Shouting him out every time Alabama does something good. Yeah. Even making a Skip Bayless comparison, which, uh, yeah, that's not it, so good. It no. isn't the best thing in the world. But Danny <laughs> said if he and Justin Thomas played, he thinks he could compete <laughs> if Justin <laughs> Thomas gave him three or four strokes aside. Yeah. Which I said. We'll clarify it as four. We'll clarify it as four. Four, four strokes aside. aside. Okay. I, I we never super clarified if they were playing from the same tees. But Danny's lowest round of this tournament, I'm going to set it at 75. I don't know if that's fair or not. Over, under 75. Uh, I'm going to say under. I played, I played with Danny. Um, support. Uh, I played with Danny. Danny, Danny strokes the ball. Danny is consistent. Um, and even when I'm playing with Danny and I think I'm close, I'm not because, <laughs> you know, I have those holes where I'm double bogey and then, you know, you par birdie and then double bogey and Danny does not. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go under. I'm going to do my man a favor here and just keep my mouth shut because we all know how good I am at making picks. So, right. so uh, I'm not going to jinx you. This is – Raja, we've only played once or twice, and I am not as consistent as he makes it out to be. Stop. So I have actually – the best round I've had in this tournament is 73 because it's, it's legit tournament golf. There are no gimmies. It's every stroke. Right. But here's my game, and this is what drives me nuts. Last year I saw 73, 78 – and then the third round, 
shot 90, Ooh. which is the worst round I've ever had in a tournament. Wait, what's this but I got called a again? new driver and I couldn't Diamond Resorts out. Invitational. Oh, yeah. you pulled out a new uh, you pulled out a new big stick I, for the tournament? Yeah, and it was one of the worst. Like if Saban would have if if Tua Tonga-Valoa would have thrown five picks in the second half, that would have been the equivalent of me changing drivers. Uh, it was the worst decision I've ever made in a golf tournament. What it prompted like, it? Real quickly, what prompted it? Uh, so I was playing in the first couple rounds with a senior golfer because uh, that's what they do. They pair you with some of these guys that play on the senior tour. Right. And I'm not going to name him because I don't want to out anybody. But he's about 5'7", and he's in his 60s, and he was out driving me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and okay. it was driving me insane. Like, I was so mad that here I am. I'm 6'4", former NFL player, and I couldn't get it by him. <laughs> so I was trying to get the extra distance in my driver, and I did. I got extra distance, but I could not hit it anywhere on the map. Like, ah. I was all over the place. So now I'm going to be just content to hit fair- fairways. I don't care if I get outdriven by one of the LPGA players that are playing with us. They have those, they have them playing with us too. Um, Danny, I'm looking at who's at this, <laughs> like yeah. who you're up against. Chris Harrison. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Who's That's Chris right. Harrison? He Come is on. the host of the Bachelor franchise. What? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to figure out a way to work the Bachelor into our podcast for like weeks. That's there it is. Yeah, no, no, no. You need to talk to Chris Harrison. I need you to become good friends with him. I need you to also find out who wins. Big no, we can find that out. No, 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 but like for real. And I I there's oh God, I wish I could be there. <laughs> I have so many questions for Chris Harrison. Oh, we got him, we got Ray Allen, uh you got Roger Clemens is playing in it. There's a bunch of country. Larry music the cable stars. guy. Yeah, Larry the Cable Guy, who is hilarious. Like, all he does is go around and crack jokes. He's not the best uh, golfer. Last year I played with Patrick Peterson. He's a really good golfer, the defensive back for the Cardinals. So it's going to be a ton of fun. And you guys can watch it on the golf channel. But I don't know if you're going to see me much because I don't – I don't have quite the clout. I'm totally watching it. If I don't see you talking to Chris Harrison somewhere on the side, I'm going to be upset. Real quick, Danny, before we get you out of here, a prop on this one for you guys. Does Danny post more on Instagram or Twitter while he's on the course? What do you think? Twitter. Twitter. I see. I don't know Twitter, so like I don't know how Raja, often he posts. You have got to get on the Twitter sphere. I'm gonna say it sounds like he tweets a lot, and his Instagrams come in once in a while. So I'm gonna go yeah. Sto- as well. stories are included. Instagram oh. stories. Oh, oh. well, I played golf with him, and that day he was Instagramming. So I'm gonna rock yeah. with Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say Instagram. I support. I support it. Keep Smart it going. Money. Keep the pictures going. Smart money is on Instagram so, uh, for pictures because I'm the the mean. Uh, whiny crybaby Danny is Twitter. The fun, hey, I'm hanging with celebrities. I want to get photos with them. That's going to be Instagram. Wait, yo, please get a selfie with Chris Harrison. All right, done, done. Him <laughs> and Alfonso Rivera. That's my, that, those are my guys. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys, it's been fun. Friday, we'll be back. I'll get you guys updated. It's the first day of the tournament, so we can go over some more props for that. But make sure you follow us on uh, Twitter, at Canel and Bell. Debo took a lot of heat because people actually think Canel and Bell is me, so they're cussing out the now the show, the podcast account. Sweet. But follow us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Subscribe, download, leave us a five-star review on our iTunes page. We'll ask us a question in those reviews. We'll answer those every Friday with our five-star Q&A. Please, make Tell us good. what's going on. Any suggestions you like for the show, throw those in there as well. But thanks for checking us out. Everybody have a great rest of the week. 